Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 374 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for how to naturally increase your progesterone. In this episode, we're going to be talking about progesterone, its role in the body, why it can get depleted, and so much more. Plus, we'll be covering 10 plus natural ways to increase it, including diet, supplements, and lifestyle tweaks. Yes, progesterone is my favorite hormone to talk about. I feel like it's such an unsung hero in the body and has played such a role with my brain health, my clarity, my mood regulation, anxiety, and so much more. So can't wait to unpack today's topic. But before we dig into that, just some quick updates. As you are listening, you have just a couple weeks left to register for our 12-week food as medicine ketosis class. This starts on Wednesday, January 10th, and for the first time only, meets 12 weeks consecutively. So for only $399, you get access as a live participant limited to only 100 individuals that gets to directly interact with Becky and myself on our community Slack. And then every other week between the formal functional medicine lectures, I will be meeting with y'all to troubleshoot your progress, to unpack if willing and desired maybe some lab values and discuss interventions. I will be taking some case studies and then really just addressing any of your popcorn brain, ask me anything approach of what's come up in your life since the last class, uh, what questions you have about dining out or modifying a recipe that was a family favorite, or maybe troubleshooting fasting because what you were doing within the protocol wasn't working. Yes, it's going to be so much fun done this way and should really um, keep everyone very engaged and um, supported throughout the entire 12 weeks. So we're super excited to do it in this way. And that is just an extra hundred bucks from what our price point used to be. So you get six more meeting touch Mm -hmm. points, really great value, plus all of the added value of your lab discounts that we give to participants, supplement discount during the extent of your program, access to our live Slack channel throughout the entire program, and so much more. So we can't wait to see y'all go on over and sign up over at AllieMillerRD.com at the live ketosis class. Yes. And this program is really appropriate for such a wide array of individuals, whether you are looking for body composition change and loss of fat mass plus maintenance or gain of muscle, whether you're looking for significant weight loss or you are looking at hormone regulation or mood stability or reducing cravings and feeling confident about how you are feeding your family or setting up your pantry and meal planning rounds to be successful for blood sugar, 
this program is for you. It's really a comprehensive food as medicine program. And we help you throughout these 12 weeks to determine even if keto is right for you in the first place. So we start you all at a pretty intensive ketosis protocol. And then throughout the program, we talk to you about metabolic flexibility, carb cycling, a low glycemic diet approach. So even if you're not sure that keto is right for you, we can set up a protocol that's more on the low glycemic side where you can still get all of the benefits of the functional medicine information on dysbiosis, hormone management, detox, cardiovascular health, and so much more. And ideally tip your toe into the pond of ketosis to see how you feel when your brain is fueled by fat and then determine what's sustainable for you to get long-term results. And that's really the goal of this program is to show you what your body is biochemically capable of and help you to troubleshoot something that feels right, that is sustainable, and that helps you feel the best version of yourself. Yes. Um, And I think that's constant feedback that we're getting. It's like, this is so much more than a keto program. I joined it because I wanted to do keto or had 10 pounds to lose. And I got so much more sleeping better. My hormones are more balanced. I didn't know I was going to learn all this other stuff. Um, but that is, that is one of my favorite testimonials of, I feel like myself again, and I've learned so much through this program more than I thought possible. Yes. So absolutely at 399, it is an incredible value and, uh, this investment will pay itself forward for years to come as you really feel empowered with how to use food as medicine. So we hope you'll join us on January 10th to kick things off. Go on over to AllieMillerRD.com, grab your spot in the January live food as medicine, 12 week keto program, and can't wait to meet you there. All right. Um, before we jump into today's episode content, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Noble Origins. All right, so Noble Origins creates a organ complex of high-quality grass-fed beef organs from New Zealand-sourced grass-fed beef, liver, heart, kidney, pancreas, and spleen. So this allows individuals to have an easy way to incorporate organs into their daily or couple times a week approach. I find this to be a great way to add nature's multivitamin into a smoothie or savory sauce, and definitely an important way to boost nutritional density with bioavailable B vitamins, as well as minerals, and balancing out our amino acids with this nose-to-tail nutrition balance. So adding a half teaspoon or a teaspoon into your smoothies, shakes, or savory sauces is a great way to boost your food as medicine with a clean sourced organ blend. Go on over to Noble Origins, not that's not organs, but nobleorigins.com. That's N-O-B-L-E-O-R-I-G-I-N-S.com slash Allie Miller RD and or use Allie Miller RD at checkout. That lets them know that you learned about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast and you will save on your order. All right, let's get into it. So what is progesterone and what does it do? I'm glad progesterone is finally getting its own podcast because estrogen has a few, it's its own, um, her own, whatever. Um, And progesterone we talk about a lot, but it doesn't have a dedicated podcast. 
I so know. Here we go. What in the world? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So progesterone is a primary female sex hormone and its main known role is to prepare the body for pregnancy. So right following ovulation, as we transition into the luteal phase of our menstrual cycle, progesterone is going to spike to help to actually maintain the lining of the uterus. This would make it easier for a fertilized egg to healthily implant itself and initiate a successful pregnancy. So if pregnancy doesn't occur, the progesterone drop will hit at the beginning of the menstrual cycle. So we get this peak around day 20 or so, somewhere between 19 and 21, especially for ovulating around day 11 or something. And then that crash at around day 28 is what actually then initiates that uterine lining to break down and the onset of the menstrual cycle. Now we do see individuals that have low progesterone to be at a higher risk for miscarriage because of that implantation. So if an individual has a chemical pregnancy or miscarriage, definitely one of the first things to consider is testing progesterone levels. Progesterone levels are to continue to stay high throughout the pregnancy to support a healthy environment for fetal development and thriving and um, also plays favorable roles in the body outside of the world of pregnancy. Yes, totally. So progesterone works um, kind of in opposition of estrogen, so it helps to keep estrogen levels balanced. We see that progesterone helps to kind of balance and, and neutralize, if you will, the effects of too much estrogen. So we can see estrogen dominance, which we've talked about a lot on mm -hmm. the podcast, and that's gotten its own episodes too. Um, and then we also see progesterone as necessary for thyroid health, for brain function, as you mentioned, the brain fog is a very common yes. complaint for sleep, for strong bones, for balanced mood, and even our metabolism. Yes. And even in the world of cardiometabolic health, as progesterone works as a counterpoint to estrogen, we think of, you know, estrogen, for instance, as a vasoconstrictor and progesterone as a vasodilator. Mm -hmm. So if we're dealing with hypertension, this could be an indicator of low progesterone levels as well. Totally. Um, let's go through some of the common signs and symptoms of low progesterone. How do we know that this might be going on in the body? So one thing to look for is uh, irregular cycles or irregular periods. And especially if your menstrual cycle doesn't start with red blood, but has a couple days of like a rust onset mm -hmm. or what people would call spotting, that's a known indicator of low progesterone because you're not getting that remarkable peak around that luteal phase and then that crash or dip that would drive that menstrual cycle. So if your men menstrual cycle is kind of pittering uh, or is also longer or inconsistent or irregular in length, these would all be a strong indicator to look into progesterone mm -hmm. status. I think of libido as another indicator uh, because we know that progesterone can play a favorable role with sexual function. We know that if we see hot flashes, not only can these be related to estrogen, but also could be progesterone. And I think that when I look at hormones of perimenopausal and menopausal women, actually progesterone tends to tank 
prior to estrogen. And so when a lot of women are dealing with symptoms that maybe their OBGYN or their general practitioner might not even test hormones and Mm -hmm. just give them HRT estrogen, they're actually driving more of that estrogen dominance relative to that low progesterone. And that's why it's so important to test, not guess when you're playing in the world of hormone. Totally. We see that more than, you know, time and time again, just masking some of the symptoms, but it's the HRT or it's the birth control um, that are prescribed to mask these symptoms of of low progesterone. And again, that can get us into more trouble down the line. Totally. And I think of progesterone as more overall anti-inflammatory effects. And so we can see like frequent headaches Mm -hmm. or migraines with low progesterone. Again, I mentioned blood pressure issues with low progesterone, mood swings, depression, and anxiety and brain fog can all be seen with low progesterone. We can see weight gain and other symptoms of estrogen dominance like breast tenderness, PMS, and infertility. And then we can even see skin issues. We can see low progesterone driving acne and then circadian dysfunction. So insomnia or sleep issues. Totally. Um, Vaginal dryness also, that would typically be associated with estrogen, but actually progesterone as well, or if there is an imbalance there can cause um, vaginal dryness too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how does our progesterone get depleted? Let's talk about some of the common culprits. Yeah. So I think the primary one to address is stress. So we actually have an entire podcast episode out there called the pregnenolone steel. And this looks at the master steroid hormone and how it metabolizes based on our body's adrenal response. So the adrenal glands are going to pump out cholesterol, which converts to pregnenolone and pregnenolone can then be converted into progesterone or DHEA. That DHEA goes on to becoming testosterone or estrogen. And then the progesterone after the pregnenolone conversion goes on to cortisol. So what can happen is if an individual is under chronic sympathetic mode or fight or flight stress response, they're going to shunt all of that progesterone into cortisol. So we could also say someone that has known adrenal insufficiency, Mm -hmm. adrenal fatigue, excessive or too low of cortisol levels, because maybe they've kind of spiked and then crashed, these individuals are high candidates to look into for low progesterone and might be a candidate for a period of time that would need that bioidentical progesterone to kind of work like a tent leg, if you will, holding up part of the tent while that cortisol has time to get back on track with using like a glandular, like our adrenal support. Sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's not usually just the progesterone that you need to supplement with, right? right. It's addressing the kind of upstream issue of, of what's going on with the stress and the adrenals. Absolutely. And so that might mean also that we're looking at consideration of, of course, the anti-anxiety bundle, like getting in that relax and regulate which plays a huge role. We'll talk about myo-inositol mm-hmm. in a little bit, um, but so I'll just stop with that one there. Um, but relax and regulate being key. The calm and clear, which has the blend of B vitamins, amino acids, and botanicals to kind of regulate and get you back into a parasympathetic safe place. That's going to prevent that steal in the first place. And then the GABA calm aiding as an inhibitory calming component to take that fight or flight surge out 
these three players could be very good if you know that stress is your Achilles heel driving that low progesterone. Totally. Um, and then I mentioned estrogen dominance. Um, and so this can be whether or not you have adequate progesterone, right? Yes. So, you know, we can see low progesterone levels driving estrogen dominance and that definition or that diagnosis might be made by a practitioner and maybe not approached correctly. Mm-hmm. So for instance, um, we just did a big, I just did a big deep dive on my own Dutch hormones to compare to a Labrix panel. And, um, we saw at one day of the 28 day window, there was a range where the E2 had peaked up. And so when we looked at the one day that was extracted of data, that one day showed high estradiol. But if you look at the actual circadian flow, it was really based on insufficient progesterone, Mm -hmm. that relationship. And had we brought in DIM or had we brought in other compounds to bring down estrogen, then the estradiol levels will get too low. Sure. So really safest with estrogen dominance to start with our Brocco detox Mm -hmm. and then to do more detailed hormone testing because you may need to instead lead with BioC plus or the relax and regulator again something that's going to ramp up that progesterone level versus really demonizing and detoxifying that estrogen and bringing it to bone dry yep totally um yeah i think both ends of the spectrum there and that's why we did a estrogen the good and the bad kind of podcast series way back that i will link in today's show notes Yes. And then, you know, other drivers to low progesterone age for sure. So generally we start to see a decline of progesterone in our mid thirties, which kind of trends with fertility. And we can especially see in those that are anovulatory or not ovulating that they're not going to get as much progesterone produced because they're not getting that signal of that egg release, which actually slingshots, if you will, that peak of progesterone again, about 10 days post ovulation. So if someone is dealing with um, an anovulatory cycle or um, they have PCOS, these could be reasons that are interfering with that signaling and that would then keep the progesterone level at a lower than optimal range without getting that cyclical boost, if you will. Totally. Um, and then, you know, other hormonal imbalances too. So high prolactin, um, we think of prolactin for triggering lactation after pregnancy, but this can also become elevated, um, due to stress, due to poor diet, and this can actually inhibit ovulation and that production of progesterone as well. Yes. And then I think of nutrient deficiencies as a big driver. So we've talked in other podcasts about how low fat or not getting enough quality fats in the diet can interfere with overall pregnenolone, that master hormone production. Um, So both balancing out the adrenals and the thyroid or those other metabolic stress glands are key, but definitely ensuring that you have a fat-fueled diet that is abundant in vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants this is going to really ensure that you get balanced hormone production overall. So another argument, if you will, for our 12-week food is medicine keto program. Um, and as we talk about different ways to boost progesterone, you'll see a lot of overlap in that area. Totally. Um, and you know, when we're talking diagnosis and, and testing of low progesterone, I think it's difficult to even get this diagnosed because often a doctor won't run it. Um, I think for women, you have to have what, two or three recurrent miscarriages before they'll even draw progesterone, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, And even then, it normally would be treated with synthetic progestin. 
Yes. And that's what we would see also in a combination birth control. Mm -hmm, And actually progestin can create progesterone deficiency. Mm -hmm. And that's a part in like the post birth control recovery is that you get circulating synthetic hormone. And so ovarian function stops to produce, especially without that ovulation, when you are on birth control, you're not getting that then hormetic signaling. And then you worse have a synthetic compound circulating through your body, which tells your body that it doesn't have to do any work in the first place. Um, So progestin is definitely something to be mindful of. And I'll say, especially in the world of migraine headaches and mood disorders, progestin can be quite a gnarly responder for the body where if you haven't responded well, maybe mood wise to birth control, I would likely blame that more on the progestin Mm -hmm. over the conjugated estrogens. Um, but we'll link our episode on regulating your menstrual cycle and natural cycle balance. Um, if this is an area of focus and we did one about two years ago on different forms of IUDs, birth control options. So I'll link that as well. Um, and just to note also Becky on diagnostic testing, you know, I think a blood level of progesterone is good when you get a positive pregnancy test, or maybe if you're doing your day two or day three hormone blood test, just for a data point. Um, but really again, remembering that when we're looking at free hormone versus bound hormone, we really want that gold standard of salivary hormone status. That's going to allow us to really see the free circulating impact of what those keys that can fit into the lock receptor sites are. Whereas when we look at blood, we see what's bound and it's really an ineffective association of how that progesterone would work in the body anyway. Sure. So you're not really going to detect deficiency unless it's like super, super low, almost non-existent. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I wanted to call out to the differences between, you know, progesterone and progestin. So this synthetic altered hormone on a biochemical level. We've talked about this. You can't patent that natural stuff. Um, so it's synthetically different and, um, comes with some of the scary side effects you mentioned as well as, um, potentially causing fetal abnormalities in pregnancy, which is concerning. Um, it does not promote that same sense of calm in the brain. So you mentioned anxiety could be mm-hmm. increased. Yes. Um, progestin can actually increase blood pressure, whereas progesterone can help to decrease and normalize it. And progestin can cause water retention, whereas we see progesterone often relieving fluid retention. Yeah. Progesterone is one of my favorite natural diuretics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so definitely staying away from the synthetic pharmaceutical option, which has all of the adverse effects of the beautiful benefits that progesterone provides. So we will link just to note, um, that Labrix Mm -hmm. Neurohormone Complete Plus panel that we've alluded to a couple different times. If you're curious where your progesterone status is at, we actually test that panel between days 19 and 21 to actually get where you should be peaking. Mm -hmm. So it's a very accurate assessment. And then, uh, you would get an email review or if you're in our clinic, an in-person review on how to address your progesterone status. Yes. Um, and there are a lot of ways to actually increase our progesterone naturally. And this is even before going to those bioidenticals, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a little bit. Um, they can be a great tool in, in certain instances. Um, but let's start with kind of the low hanging fruit of diet. You mentioned healthy fat as one big pillar. Yeah. And again, that's because all hormone is necessarily going to be 
built out of fat. Cholesterol is that precursing molecule, again, that helps to make thyroid hormone, helps to make the uh, adrenal hormones and the sexual hormones in the body. So that pregnenolone into progesterone response means that a healthy fat-based diet can actually give us more pregnenolone production to begin with. So that steroidal building block to make the progesterone. In fact, there was a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and it found that regular consumption of healthy fats can increase progesterone levels and improve ovulation rates. And we also have seen that salmon in particular, due to its omega-3 fatty acid status, is a food that can increase progesterone. And omega-3s can increase your luteinizing hormone and also can play a favorable role in progesterone production. They also, of course, have favorable role in PMS um, and can regulate menstrual cycle. So adding in our EPA DHA extra could be the first supplement recommendation we're gonna hit. And then ensuring we have at least 50% of our diet comprised of healthy quality fats. And so this is where our 12-week food as medicine ketosis program would really be a fantastic foundation. Yes, totally. Um, And then on the vein of of healthy fats, I think incorporating nuts could be a great boost as well, or two for one, um, because nuts are also going to have a lot of mineral content. So zinc in particular, I think about with certain nuts, um, able to increase the number of binding sites on a progesterone receptor, which is going to increase your total progesterone levels. Um, We also see zinc working on FSH and that's going to promote ovulation and in turn would promote that progesterone production. Yes. And then beyond nuts like pepitas or pumpkin seeds as zinc, I immediately think of, well, our sponsor for today, Noble Origin. Yes, totally. Thinking of organ blends for zinc would be fantastic. Uh, grass-fed beef in general, um, but liver is really a big singing hero in the world of of that mineral. So I think that'd be a great add-in as well. Yep. Oysters. Always love oysters. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And what's really interesting too is, again, this kind of synergy of nutrients and food as medicine is that we think of zinc as a powerful player as an aromatase inhibitor. Mm -hmm. So what an aromatase inhibitor does is it blocks excess estrogen production or conversion from testosterone into that estrogen. And so if we're again, kind of in that balance of estrogen dominance, secondary to low progesterone, zinc supplementation would be a lot safer again, because this is going to block that conversion, but not deplete your estrogen while also helping with that progesterone receptor function. So more bioavailability or expression of progesterone as it's rebounding. Yep. Um, And then magnesium is going to work actually in a similar way where magnesium is shown to have an inverse relationship with estrogen. So as your magnesium levels increase, estrogen is going to decrease. And that would also help in turn with that rebound of progesterone. Yes. And so reaching for your leafy greens and overlap there with nuts and seeds, but for sure, relax and regulate would be a primary supplement. I'd put it first above the fish oil, but as far as the order of sharing them. (laughs) So this would probably be the top one, maybe secondary to bio C plus, and we'll get there in a moment. Um, And that's because relax and regulate does not just have the magnesium bisglycinate, which helps with the muscle protein synthesis, nerve functioning, a cofactor for hundreds of enzyme reactions, and then having that estrogen regulation. 
but the relax and regulate has myo and inositol. And actually we've seen clinical research showing the effects of inositol to be able to restore normal ovulatory activity, to increase fertilization rate, and to increase peak progesterone. We in fact saw 129% increase in a particular study. Um, we saw a 15.1 peak value versus a 6.6 peak value when using a placebo compared to the myo-inositol. And we're looking at four grams of myo-inositol daily. This was over four months of treatment. Four grams is one single scoop of our relax and regulate. And so if we have any form of PCOS or irregular cycles or anything going on in a hormone transitional time, relax and regulate would be a really fantastic player to consider. All right. And then another nutrient of focus kind of in that stress world as well would be B6. Um, and so we see that supplemental B6 actually can increase progesterone levels and decrease again, those estrogen levels and B6 combined with calcium can decrease PMS symptoms. Um, and so I think of poultry in particular, um, for helping to increase that B6, like our chicken and turkey, these lean meats. Um, but we often will see B6 depleted under high stress. Yes. And so maybe layering in, we think of our naturally nourished B complex for a broad spectrum of B vitamins support. Uh, if stress is the bigger area, maybe dipping instead into the calm and clear. And then also if you're a listener that's looking for fertility, maybe you would bring in addition to the calm and clear, the cellular antiox, um, because in each capsule of cellular antiox, we get that NAC, that glutathione, which have been shown to support egg health and also fertility, less oxidative stress. But we know that also there's not just NAC and glutathione, but there's 25 milligrams of uh, B6 in there mm -hmm. as well with the two capsules. Yep. So getting a pretty hefty dose there. Cool. Um, okay. And then vitamin C, um, you alluded to this one a little bit, and I think we like to share this fun fact all the time, but it's really... <laughs> remarkable, right? Um, this particular study, um, that showed that pregnancy rates increased and progesterone levels increased in those who supplemented with vitamin C and had a luteal phase defect. And the key number in that study is 750 milligrams of vitamin C for a, up to a 77% increase in progesterone. Yes. So Becky and I have shared on past episodes that both of us have in past times relied on bioidentical progesterone. And now in the last three and a half years, as I've continued to test my levels, again, even as I mentioned with that Dutch level, having a little bit of a relationship in that one time of the cycle off, I overall don't have need for bioidentical progesterone because of the consistency of taking bio C plus twice daily. Uh, so we're looking at getting in that uh, capsule formation of two a day, 1.2 grams or 1200 milligrams. And I think that that really helps to support, again, cortisol metabolism, adrenal health, collagen synthesis, but also progesterone level regulation. So that's a really powerful tool there as well. So I would go relax and regulate bio C plus EPA DHA extra is kind yeah. of the, the priorities here so yeah. far yeah. we're following the supplement list. Totally. And then of course, incorporating, you know, citrus and berries into the diet for a little bit of food as medicine support Absolutely. for our vitamin C as well. Bell peppers, citrus mm -hmm. skins, all these would be fantastic. Yes. And then another, uh, 
boost of vitamin C, but also other mechanisms is our cruciferous vegetables. So getting in our broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli sprouts, and microgreens. Um, these are actually a food that can increase progesterone by helping support that estrogen detoxification or regulation with the Eindol 3 carbonyls. And um, Eindol 3 carbonyls are the main compound in our cruciferous vegetables that have phase one and phase two detox support. They actually activate estrogen receptors and can lower estrogen levels naturally as well as increase progesterone. There's sulforaphane in these compounds of cruciferous and uh, we have seen a study show that sulforaphane has protective effects against the pathways that lead to carcinogenic effects from high estrogen and can inhibit estrogen-induced DNA damage while increasing progesterone. We've seen so many studies on sulforaphane and broccoli sprouts on breast cancer research and uh, any form of hormone-related cancer truly and being a powerful tool in chemotherapy support as well as post. Um, so Brocco Detox would be a really fantastic consideration in the supplement world. And then you could even make like my superfood green cubes. Um, we're incorporating a tub of sprouts into your smoothies throughout the week as another way to get a bang for your buck there. And then, you know, half cup to one cup of roasted cruciferous vegetables. Yes. All right. So we've got a supplement list going here and we're, we're adding the Brocco detox to it, maybe depending on, um, what's going on with estrogen, but let's talk other, um, supplements or compounds that we could add in, um, maybe starting with rhodiola. Yes. So rhodiola is an adaptogenic herb and this can help to balance out cortisol output, uh, and this in itself will ensure that we maintain that progesterone versus stealing or converting it into the cortisol. Uh, rhodiola also has been shown to help with regulating menstrual cycle and supporting mood as well as stamina or resilience in the brain and body. So this would be found in our adaptogen boost. Again, another powerful player in the world of the HPA access or regulating that fight or flight surge, giving you that stress resilience and preventing fatigue, giving you good, clean energy without wringing out those tired, exhausted adrenals and, and kind of pulling from those progesterone reserves. Yes. Um, and then chasteberry or Vitex is one that I think gets a lot of buzz um, when we're talking about, especially PMS um, symptoms is like predominantly where I hear it discussed. Um, but it can be shown, it has been shown to support healthy progesterone levels as well. Yes, Vitex can uh, support progesterone levels and be beneficial for elongating that luteal phase. So if you have a shorter second half of your cycle, that might be considered. Um, you know, we do look at its role with prolactin. And so historically on the podcast, I've said, you know, only take Chase Barrier Vitex if prolactin is up. You might want to pre-run that value if you're supplementing with Chase uh, Berry or Vitex um, just to ensure that that doesn't drive imbalance if you already were low in that pathway. Um, but there have been various randomized controlled trials looking at the role of the Vitex. And we've seen that premenstrual syndrome, seven of the eight trials that were looked at found Vitex effects to be superior to a placebo. Um, they also saw in premenstrual uh, dys dysphoric disorder or PMDD 
an influence of Vitex to actually be as equivalent to fluoxetine or Prozac. So having some actually outperforming favorable impact over mental health when compared to pharmaceutical drug intervention. And then one trial reported it to be superior to placebo in reducing the stimulated prolactin secretion, which aided in normalizing a shortened luteal phase and increasing the mid-luteal progesterone levels. Um, So there is some impact there again about that full luteal phase and that length playing a role with progesterone status. Got it. Okay. So consideration um, for supplementation potentially, but I'd probably do the other things that we've talked about first um, and then maybe layer on that Vitex depending on what else is going on. For sure. Okay. Um, And then of course there is bioidentical progesterone as an option. Um, Let's talk about this because I think it can be a great tool for someone who's really, really low and is very symptomatic, or as you mentioned, they're just super burned out and it's going to take a minute to get the adrenals to kind of rebound. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe they're struggling with infertility and they've had multiple miscarriages or that post birth control, um, population. Those are the people that I'd reach for the bioidentical probably sooner and Mm -hmm. still do some of these other things in conjunction. Yes. So bioidentical progesterone is identical molecularly and structurally to the progesterone that your body makes. Unlike progestin, again, which is the synthetic form that would be found in birth control or in the form of like methadoxal progestone or other forms of oral medications, um, and even vaginal suppositories can be the synthetic progestin. So first off, we're talking about bioidentical progesterone, and it's often going to be YAM-derived. And this can be a fantastic tool if dealing, of course, with any of the noted symptoms of progesterone deficiency and when confirmed with progesterone deficiency on a laboratory assessment, especially if it is a salivary assessment, which gives us this detailed information. Um, If looking at bioidentical progesterone, this would be used cyclically if you are menstruating. So often we start bioidentical progesterone right post ovulation. So like days 12 through 28 of the menstrual cycle in some individuals that maybe have interstitial cystitis or other forms of urogenital imbalance and they have flares right around ovulation. I might start their progesterone a couple days earlier, like day nine or 10 mm-hmm. of their cycle to help to carry them through that window. Um, but generally speaking, we're trying to follow the natural cascades and rhythms of the body. So we want that progesterone consistency to hit that peak around that day 20 or so in a 28 day cycle. When people start bioidentical progesterone, they might notice the diuretic effect or the reduction of fluid retention that maybe they were holding in their body, which can be very welcomed as maybe a whooshing on the scale or loss of water weight and bloat. We can also see favorable impact on mood, such as anxiety and insomnia. And then of course, we can see some support with post-birth control syndrome and ovulation, supporting actually robust ovulation rebound and supportive PCOS. Um, But again, I tend to see more in the world of 
and ovulation and PCOS, the nutritional players mm-hmm. and the progesterone really adding as like that pillar, that tent leg, as I'm stating, sure. versus truly resolving the root cause. So if we are clinically deficient in progesterone, using a bioidentical progesterone as a transdermal, meaning through the skin, cream or serum could be a reasonable consideration, but I would not do that without at least also having the relax and regulate the bio C plus, and then either the calm and clear or adaptogen boost, but probably both Mm -hmm. (laughs) for this individual to make sure that we are able to move the production pathway more progressively in favor of the body doing the work. Sure. Totally. And and then, you know, like both of us have experienced, maybe you won't need that forever because I often get that question. Like, am I, once I go on this, do I have to stay on it forever? Um, and you know, for a woman in her early to, you know, mid to even late thirties, maybe not if we're supporting everything else. Um, and I think the cyclical nature of progesterone is key that you mentioned because time and time again, I see cycling women put on progesterone just all throughout the month. Yes. Or they're put on, you know, synthetic oral, um, progestin throughout the month. And it's actually suppressing, you know, ovulation. And that is a problem, especially for those looking for fertility. Right. No doubt. No doubt. And so, right. Just taking bioidentical progesterone won't in itself promote getting an ovulatory cycle back. That's really where we have to dig into why the body stopped ovulating in the first place. And really the number one Achilles heel there is dysregulated HPA access and often something going on with chronic stress and a cortisol connection. So we have to resolve the body feeling safe to reproduce, to ovulate, to then support that stimulus of the progesterone surge. Um, And so I can't say that enough, that stress regulation is key. And this could be a combination of lifestyle and supplement support. So, you know, that anti-anxiety diet bundle or anti-anxiety bundle of supplements of the relax and regulate GABA calm and calm and clear are a great start. And then we might have to incorporate prayer or meditation or gratitude or spending a couple days to recalibrate our nervous system. Uh, Not a couple days, excuse me, a couple minutes each day to recalibrate our nervous system through breath work or through other maybe somatic physical movements like shaking or doing horse slips, <laughs> working on breath regulation, vagus nerve activation, all of these things to kind of get the body back into that parasympathetic regulatory mode. That's really the root cause here. Totally. Um, and I think, you know, if we're doing any like higher intensity exercise, also recognize that that can be a stressor as yes. well. And, and high intensity exercise that's actually been shown to decrease specifically progesterone. So I'd call out anyone who is maybe over exercising mm-hmm. or maybe using that as, you know, a way to kind of vent the steam, rein it in, maybe do some, you know, gentle movement or resistance that has more cadence or, you know, yoga, Pilates, et cetera, versus the HIIT training. Absolutely. So save your money on your personal trainer for the new year and put it in our 12-week food is medicine ketosis program because we know that when you see those results, you're trying to over-exercise and then maybe not get from the diet. Maybe you're not getting a mineral and vitamin and antioxidant-rich diet because you're over-restricting and not getting the abundance of compounds. And to add that, I would say balanced blood sugar is really important Mm -hmm. because we've seen 
seen that high blood sugar can play a role in low progesterone. So having more of a Mediterranean keto approach to eating where you have healthy fats, stabilized blood sugar levels, this is going to play a role with better insulin sensitivity and blood sugar balance, which is going to have a better impact on overall sexual hormone balance. And we do know that we see a dramatic increase in progesterone levels when insulin sensitivity is improved. Again, that's further connecting to the myo-inositol in the relax and regulate, but starting with that foundation in the diet with a uh, Mediterranean keto could be key there as well. Totally. Um, So join our keto class. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that that's one of the best ways to ensure that you're getting everything in alignment. And we really dig, we have an entire class, class four it is, on the HPA axis or the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback mechanism. We dig deep into the adrenals and the thyroid gland and what they do for our body, food as medicine support and understanding your lab values, how to have empowered conversations with your practitioner and then, you know, what you can do on a strategic level to harness all this back into control. So I think that that would be huge. Totally. That is always like the the class that stops people in their tracks. They're like, I didn't realize how much stress was actually impacting me. Yeah. Um, yeah, no doubt. Okay. Um, and then a couple more things to add here. Um, reducing caffeine. Um, I think that's always a hard one to hear along mm-hmm. with the over-exercising. But if you're over-caffeinating and over-exercising. And over-restricting and in the over diet. Restricting, um, it's probably not doing a whole heck of a lot for any of your hormones, but especially progesterone, which can be kind of this delicate flower of hormones, if you will. Um, But we know that caffeine can increase stress and cortisol levels, um, but caffeine also is going to affect our estrogen metabolism. And studies have shown a correlation between reduced caffeine intake and improved progesterone levels. Yes. So maybe shifting your day to sip on bone broth or to start your day off with a nourishing smoothie with vitamin C rich foods in there, getting our pure collagen and a scoop of grass fed whey with some healthy fats, maybe from full fat coconut milk or raw dairy or nut butters would all be a much more nourishing way to start than maybe what you're currently doing. If you're doing like an intermittent fast with coffee. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Or switch to green tea at least, which will have a positive impact on your estrogen metabolism, right? No doubt. And that L-theanine to help as a modulator of your brain chemistry and your fight or flight stress surge. I think that would be beautiful. Um, We even actually dig into that in our 12-week keto class as far as what type of fasting is appropriate for you and understanding whether you actually are even a candidate to fast in the first place. And so likely if you're a listener that isn't ovulating um, and your body isn't feeling safe, we're going to ensure that you aren't fasting Mm -hmm. so that you're eating, you know, within a 12 hour window versus maybe narrowing into an eight hour window or God forbid a six or a four hour window. I see so many people doing a OMOD or a one meal a day thinking it's going to help them correct their hormones and their body just stays super freaked out because they're not able to assimilate, absorb, and use the nutrients they need at one meal a day. Um, And so that's something that we definitely troubleshoot as well. Um, So I'd love y'all to grab a spot in our 12-week food is medicine ketosis class. It starts January 10th. It's only $399 for all three months of the program. Spaces are limited. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. Grab your spot there. And while you're there, you might consider looking at the anti-anxiety bundle of supplements 
which has that relax and regulate calm and clear and GABA calm. You might add in a bottle of bio C plus, and then any other considerations that we've covered in today's episode. I hope this fills a lot of ahas in your head and inspiration that you can take with you into the new year, incorporating some of these dietary strategies, nutritional supplements, and lifestyle changes to increase your progesterone naturally. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.